taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, The Lord really led me through this um, in an interesting way. Uh, First off, he just said, taste and see. Now, I was in the middle of prayer at 4.30 in the morning, and I was on my face, and I was just worshiping him. I was being silent and resting before him. And in that place of rest, uh, that's when he spoke. And he literally said, taste and see. Taste and see. And then he led me specifically uh, to Genesis. Now think about this for just one moment. In Genesis, you have the tree of life. And in the tree of life, you also have the tree of good and evil. The tree of life is the life source. Adam and Eve, they would go, they eat from that tree, and they would partake in that. And out of that place of life births more life. Because if you think about a fruit, a fruit in and of itself has seeds. And those seeds, let's say five, you have five seeds in that little bit of fruit. Each seed produces another tree, which produces more fruit, which then produces more fruit. That's what Jesus called us to do. Be fruitful and multiply. Multiply his image on earth and his likeness on earth. That was the whole point of the garden. Now, unfortunately, you had the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And this knowledge is worldly knowledge, logic, worldly things. Even science falls under that category. It's man's way of explaining things apart from God. It is pride. Now, you've got two trees here. One is the source of life. One, unfortunately, is the source of death. Now, when Adam and Eve ate from that tree, and this is in Genesis 3, their eyes were opened. So they tasted, and then they saw. And the first thing they were was ashamed of their nakedness. They saw through the lens of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They saw from a worldly perspective. Not a godly one anymore. So, now this leads me right to Psalms chapter 34. Specifically, if we go to verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's a tasting and then a seeing. We need to taste him and then we need to see him. Which leads us right into communion. And that's what I have here. Um, I have bread, which is an English muffin. And I have uh, fruit punch. Okay, so I've got those two items here. And what Jesus did in Passover, which just happened last night. What he did in Passover is he broke the bread. He took this very bread and he broke it. And he... He gave it to his disciples and he said, take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body, which was broken for you. 
This is the healing of your physical bodies because by his wounds, we are healed. By the breaking of his body, his physical body, we're healed. That's what the bread represents, his body broken for us. And then he takes the cup. Again, he gives thanks and praise to his father. And he says, take and drink. This is my blood, which is poured out for you, for the sins of the world. This is the new covenant. And you have to see that the blood is our spiritual health. So it's the healing from us spiritually. The blood is the one that covers our sin. So that we're made new in him. So usually what I do is I break bread and participate in the Last Supper. In communion. Every evening with my family. Let's say my daughter, actually, uh, she's six now. She's the one that's taking the lead. So she goes and reads the scriptures or she just recites the scriptures now. And we break bread as a family. And then we partake in, in eating and partake in the drinking of uh, it's a fruit punch. But these are representations of what Jesus had done for us. But there's another element that's extremely important because when you eat something, when you eat something, it goes inside you and then it gets broken down and it goes and just gets distributed to your entire body. So what you eat becomes really who you, what you are. So when we eat this bread and when we drink this cup, we proclaim the glory of the Lord and he becomes one with us. We taste and see that the Lord is good. And this goes back to now we fast forward to Luke 24 verse 31. And this one just kind of blew my mind. And thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for revealing this. Now, this is specifically on the road to Emmaus. Now, Jesus, he himself, uh, this is in verse 15. While they were talking, and this is the disciples. While they were talking and discussing together just what had happened. Jesus himself drew near and went to them. So now Jesus goes to them, but it says in verse 16, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And then of course he enters the conversation and talks to them about some things. And then in verse 27, he begins with Moses and all the prophets he interpreted to them 
in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So now he goes in and opens up the scriptures to the disciples and says, hey, everything that from Moses to the prophets is about me. And that's what they're speaking of. And then, of course, these disciples are like, well, wait, don't leave us. Just, just come and stay with us. So then it goes into verse 30. When he was at table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. He broke the bread. He gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. It was in the breaking of the bread and the eating of the bread. It says he broke it and gave it to them. He gave them the bread. And in that giving and that transaction of the breaking and the giving, then their eyes were open. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Communion is so much deeper. What took place on the whipping post, the whipping post was when his body was broken. And then on the cross is when his blood was shed and poured out for us so that our sins may be forgiven. And we do this in remembrance of him. So then we go back to Genesis. The tree of life. If Adam and Eve would just be eating from the tree of life. And they would have never looked at the tree of knowledge. Came close to the tree of knowledge. And, but specifically eaten from that tree. This world would be heaven on earth. We would be multiplying the image and the likeness of God. And we would be spreading the joy and the glory over the entire earth. Things would be perfect. Unfortunately, that's not the case. We do live in a fallen world because of what happened. And we have a worldly perspective. We're birthed with that worldly perspective. But Jesus came. And he died for us. So that we may have a heavenly perspective now. He's restoring the very thing that was in the garden. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And when we break the bread and when we drink the cup, we remember what he's done for us. We're also partaking in his flesh. We're eating him. We're eating his flesh. We're becoming him. He is in us and we are in him. It is just like eating from the tree of life. Now keep in mind the very seeds that come out of a tree produce life, but they first have to die. Jesus had to die to then be born again, to be resurrected we too have to die to ourself and then be resurrected with him. So then in that place, in that resurrection, now we're seated with him in the heavenly places. And we are doing the same things that Jesus did 
on earth. We are magnifying Him wherever we go. It's literally heaven in us coming out of us. We now are birthing life out of us when we humble ourselves and get pruned so there's nothing left. Then He comes. He fills us up. And out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouth speaks and speaks wisdom, which is a tree of life. Righteous fruit gets produced, which is a tree of life. We become the very thing that Jesus was to this world, a tree of life. Just like in the garden, just like when Jesus was walking, just like now, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's tangible. It's in us. And we're a reflection of Him. And then finally, when you get to Revelation, you see the tree of life coming back down, having 10 kinds of fruit or 12 kinds of fruit, all of which are giving life to the people in that kingdom. It's an amazing picture. And oh, if we just taste and see him, our eyes will be open, not to the world anymore, but to him. He will reveal himself when we come to him, when we invite him to stay with us, when we spend time listening to him speak to us. It's in that place of rest, in that place of communion, that we grow into Him. And then we go out and we experience Him. It's the experiential knowledge, the epignosis of Him. That's what He wants so that He can mold us and shape us. So that we can finally renew our minds to take every thought captive to obey him. Then, of course, the stranger's voice is now strange, very strange, and, and the shepherd's voice is oh so pleasant. So, when you're taking these elements, know what has been done for you.